You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Yeah, we're competitive people, and we want to go and do things, but um, the horses, they're not really born with our ambitions. And, uh, you know, I think you have a responsibility to make their life in the sport a happy one, I think. And um, we, I think, always want our horses to feel appreciated, but also to sort of learn to enjoy what they do and uh, find um, comfort and uh, happiness in it. And um, I think that's a little bit part of how we define ourselves as an outfit and and as horse people that, um, you know, that we're fair and uh, competitive, but that we are... um, you know, really conscious of, of making sure that we're always, uh, you know, remembering that these are creatures and they're not machines. Welcome to the Practical Horseman podcast, featuring conversations with respected riders, industry leaders, and horse care experts. The show is co-hosted by Practical Horseman editors, and our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. I'm Sandy Olenek, and this week's episode is with Olympic eventer Will Coleman. Will and I spoke at the U.S. Equestrian's annual meeting earlier this year. There, the sport's governing body named Will a 2022 U.S. Equestrian of Honor, and he received the William C. Steinkros Trophy. Similarly, U.S. Equestrian named Will's world championship partner off the record as a 2022 Horse of Honor. To give you a little more background on Will, Ian Twizzle represented the United States at the 2012 London Olympics. He was again part of the U.S. eventing team at the 2018 World Equestrian Games in Tryon, North Carolina with tight lines. A career highlight came when Will and Off the Record won the prestigious CCIO four-star short in Aachen, Germany in 2021. Continued success a year later led to off-the-record selection for the FEI Eventing World Championship in Pertoni del Vivaro, Italy. There, Will helped secure a team silver medal and finished as the highest-placed American in seventh. Living a lifelong dream that began when he was six years old on a Shetland pony in Charlottesville, Virginia, Will now operates Will Coleman Equestrian with his wife, Katie, based in Gordonsville, Virginia and Ocala, Florida. In our discussion, Will talks about Off the Record and his other successful mount, Dondanti, with whom he placed 7th at last year's Land Rover Kentucky 3-day event and 6th at the Mars Maryland 5-star at Fairhill. Before getting into the conversation with Will, I'd like to share a word from this episode's sponsor, Spalding Labs. Have you found a fly control solution that actually works? Instead of going after the adult flies, this year, try stopping them before they hatch with fly predators, a preventative approach to fly control. Fly predators are the all-natural fly control solution used by top professionals because they just work. Fly predators kill flies before they hatch, meaning they'll never get a chance to bother you or your horses. Get ahead of the flies this summer. Visit Spalding hyphenlabs.com to order your fly predators today or call their team of experts at 877-KILL-FLY. That's 877-545-5359. Now, let's jump right into the conversation with Will, where he starts by talking about what off the record is like to ride and train. He's much nicer to ride and train now than he was maybe 
six, seven, or eight years ago. He was a pretty hardy young horse. Um, I got him as a four-year-old, and um, he came from Richard and Georgie Shane, who were good friends, and I found a lot of good horses from. And he was a very talented horse, but just uh, like some Irish horses can be, he was sort of hard to make music with initially. He seemed to be uh, kind of... Um, opinionated in, in maybe not the nicest of ways, but um, as we sort of grew up a little bit together and I got to know him a little more, I think we developed a better understanding of one another and, um, you know, where I think he was maybe presenting himself as being a little difficult, I actually think he was almost in some ways just trying too hard and uh, it took a while for me to sort of see that um, and uh, once I did, I think that's when we started to really gel as a partnership. And, you know, he's a horse that uh, I wouldn't call him um, amongst the most talented horses in the world, but um, he just has an, an incredible drive and an incredible amount of effort that he kind of puts out. He's, he's a real fighter, and um, I think we've just tried to nurture that. And uh, the more we have and sort of... Uh, you know, kind of really tried to always focus on making our partnership as cooperative as possible. That sort of approach has really allowed him to be the best version of himself. And I think he's still getting better, oddly enough. He's 14 this year. But I honestly feel like the best of him might still be in front of him. And uh, he just seems very happy. He seems to be enjoying his work. And it he seems to be carrying himself like he knows sort of some of the things that he's done, and it's very cool. He's a um, very proud product of, of our program, and, and we feel lucky that he's, you know, um, been part of our family. What, uh, you know, you said um, that you, if I'm hearing you correctly, like you had to almost learn how to uh, handle that? Or yeah, he, he was just... He would go to an event and he would be very, um, his energy would be very up. And he's almost like a, a kid that, um, you know, kind of acts out, but it's not that they're bad kids. They just maybe don't always kind of know how to handle their energy. And um, he was that kid, you know, the kid bouncing off the ceiling and um, just acting out in ways that, you know, you, you probably uh, wouldn't wish upon a teacher or somebody who's in charge with looking after them. And he was a bit like that. He was just, he was rambunctious. He was uh, a bit naughty, um, you know, and I think uh, it's easy to sort of label those horses as bad actors. But um, in his case, over time, we sort of realized that, you know, helping them sort of develop some coping skills and uh, learn to sort of listen instead of just react was an important part of, of his um, sort of you know, development as a competition horse. And, uh, you know, I think it was maybe to a degree, uh, I think me maturing as a horse person and as a professional as well. But um, luckily it sort of happened at the right time for both of us. And uh, he's been a horse that's taught me an awful lot. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I think the best of him is still to come. What things, were there any specific things that you did to sort of help focus him? Well, we did uh, a lot of groundwork. I mean, I think we focused on just using competition outings as opportunities to um, help develop some of these 
kind of coping skills. I think we started to pay a lot more attention to just how we handled the horse on a daily basis, not just me and Katie, but all the girls that work for us and anybody who might be coming in contact with him had to sort of understand that um, there had to be a lot of structure with how you uh, approached him. Um, and he seemed to thrive on that sort of uh, structure and sort of very um, regimented handling of him. Um, so taking into account you know, your program in a very holistic way was, a, I think, a a good evolution for us as a you know horse operation in general. But with this horse specifically, it really changed his life and has basically uh, allowed him, I think, to, to sort of um, just become a much more um, trainable and sort of uh, happier horse. Um, and, you know, those horses always going to perform better. Um, and you've gotten into this a little bit, but what's his personality like back at the barn? He's extremely food-oriented, um, which is a good and a bad thing. Um, but he's uh, the loudest horse in the barn at mealtime. Um, he loves his paddock. Um, yeah, he has, a, I would say, a very good life. He, he basically is you know, ridden and, and cared for uh, with just an incredible amount of detail. Um, Haley Burlock, who's kind of his uh, main charge, uh, literally attends his every room, it seems like, and he's never seems to really have a hair out of place. He's just, uh, you know, he's, he's very well cared for. Um, but uh, his personality is, um, he was kind of like a frat boy, I would say. You know, he's uh, sort of got a, he's a bit, got some bravado and a little bit of a, an arrogance about him, but it's a likable arrogance. And, um, He's uh anyways, he's 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 a pretty happy guy, I would yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And then you also did very well with Don Dante um last year, finishing seventh, I think, in Kentucky and uh-huh. sixth at the uh Maryland five star uh at Fair Hill. Um what's he like? He's a much different horse than um well just since we're talking about off the record, he's he's very different from him. He's much less um, sort of outwardly confident. Uh, he's a bit of a warrior, um, which is odd because he's an enormous horse. Um, I think he's nearly eighteen hens, and uh, but he's he's uh, yeah he's a little bit less sure of himself. He needs a lot more emotional support, I would say, from both myself and um, Aaron and Haley, the people, the girls who look after him. Um, but uh, like off the record, he's also a horse that kind of almost gives you a, too much of himself sometimes. Like he tries so hard that he can kind of worry himself. So a big part of how we approach him is just trying to make him uh, realize that, that we're there to try to make the job easier for him and um, make him, I guess, more cognizant of his capabilities. Um, but uh, he... Gives me a thousand percent every weekend, and uh, that's a really rewarding thing to train as a horse person. You know, a horse that has a conscience and um, you know wants to do the right thing. So, um, in that respect, he's a wonderful horse. Do you have any like specific training uh, system that you do with him, or is it different from off the record? Just even like when you get on and doing training exercises. 
Yeah, I mean, I think they're 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 all you know part of the same system, um, but obviously we adapt to each horse individually. Um, you know, they're very different body types. So you know what you might focus on in your flat work or your other training is going to be a little bit predicated by you know what they find easy and what they find difficult. Um, so I wouldn't say they're um, Obviously, I don't approach them exactly the same, but, um, you know, they're, uh, they're both part of the same system. So it, it's subtle, nuanced sort of differences, but, uh, you know, by and large, we, we have, uh, you know, I think a, a good feel for, you know, kind of approaching all of our horses in somewhat of a similar way. Um, and then we kind of diverge from that as needed, but, uh, you know, in his case, he, you know, he, he probably takes a little less pressure than, than off the record. Off the record is very confident in a lot of ways and, and can, he thrives a little bit on, on, on being, you know, asked a little bit more of him. With Don Dante, I have to, you know, maybe come at it a little bit more gingerly and, um, give him a little bit more time to warm up to the idea maybe before I ask. But they're both sort of doing the same work, but I might, uh, the conversation might just be a little different getting there. Um, you talked a little bit about um, your your system, and I guess a question sort of along those lines is, you know, what is your training philosophy? Is there a way you can sum it up? Well, uh, I don't know if there is. Um, it's a it's an amalgamation of a, of a lot of things and a lot of people and a lot of influences over a lot of years. But I think um, on the whole, I think it all stems from our foundation on the flat. I think the the flat work and the basic horsemanship is sort of, um, I think, the most critical piece for anybody trying to train horses at a high level. And um, so with all of our horses, I think we, we always try to make sure that we're predicating the approach on clear communication, that the horse understands what's being asked for them and what the, the answer is. And um, I think whether it's you know teaching them how to do something in the jumping or on the flat or on the cross-country, um, we try to break the communication down to something that's very, very simple and, uh, and build from there. Um, and I think it's a really technical sport now and there's a lot of technical instruction and, um, it can be easy to sort of get bogged down and making things overly complicated. And I think, uh, for us, we do, I think, pride ourselves on trying to keep it very simple and very clear for the horses to understand. And sort of in a similar light, what, what do you think makes a good horseman? Uh, empathy, mostly. I think that, uh, you know, we're competitive people and we want to go and do things, but um, the horses, they're not really born with our ambitions. And, uh, you know, I think you have a responsibility to make their life in the sport a happy one, I think. And um, we, I think, always want our horses to feel appreciated, but also to sort of learn to enjoy what they do and uh, find um, comfort and uh, happiness in it. And um, I think that's a little bit part of how we define ourselves as an outfit and, and as horse people that, um, you know, that we're fair and uh, competitive, but that we are, um, you know, really conscious of, of making sure that we're always... Uh, 
you know, remember that these are creatures and they're not machines. In general, I do feel that most of the top riders, they are that way. And I think the most successful programs now, they are that way. And, um, and that's a good thing. And it's, it's about spreading that knowledge and really how your competitive goals are, are always going to be best served by good horsemanship. Um, and it, that's a, it's a long game. It's not like a, a quick fix, but, um, I do think that those as becoming more obvious, you know, with success of our dressage and our jumping teams, I do think you're seeing uh, fabulous horsemanship really bring that to the, to, to reality. Their success is a reality because of, of those, of those things. And, um, you know, eventing, I think is, is also going in that direction. And, you know, we hopefully just can keep going down that road. Um, getting a little bit into the nuts and bolts, uh, do you have a favorite training exercise or hmm. something you really like to do? Uh, no, not, not really. I, I honestly, um, I, uh, your brain uh, over the years, it becomes kind of this, uh, telephone book of just different things and different ways of approaching different situations. But I think when, when I ride a horse, I, I don't get on with a plan. Like I have a system of how I'm going to start approaching the horse in each session. And, you know, I, uh, I have routines and dif different maybe patterns that I'll fall into, but, um, I try to stay in the moment each day and, uh, not be overly regimented in, in how I'm, uh, planning out that ride. You know, you, you can, maybe you think, you know, how your horse is going to come out, but Sometimes they're a little stiffer than they were, you know, the, the last time you rode them, or maybe they need a little more time emotionally or mentally, or there's just, I, uh, I really try to keep each day as an open book and, uh, approach it with a little bit of a curious kind of, what do we have today sort of approach and then deal with it as best I can. But, um, I'm not a, uh, I have, you know, probably hundreds of exercises that I'll do, but I don't think I have one that I think this one is a, you know, a, a, a fix for a lot of things. There's, um, I, I really try to, to ride with a lot of feeling and, um, not be too academic about it. Um, and, um, you know, we've talked about, um, obviously, especially in the past year, you know, how well you've done. Um, I guess, were there any other, you know, memorable wins in your career that stand out? You know, you, you don't think about the wins. You think about what you haven't won. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot. We've had some success. You know, I, uh, I, uh, I still feel like I have a long way to go before I, I think become the, the best version of myself as a competitor and as a horse person. And I think I really just enjoy that process. I enjoy getting better. I enjoy challenging myself in new ways. And um, really, that's the real blessing, I think, of doing this as a profession or as a lifestyle is that you're, you're always, uh, your brain and your mind is always being lured into kind of new ways of thinking and new ways of, of honing in and fine-tuning what you do. And I really like that. I, I like that sort of uh, always feeling like I'm a kid learning new stuff. And uh, 
so you know the competition part of it is is uh just a plus it's a, a different way of challenging yourself with what you know and how you cope and deal with different things and uh they're uh fun exercises but uh I, you know, I really just like horses and i like just trying to continue to do things better and better and uh now I'm excited about kind of this year and maybe some of the other things on the horizon in the next few years, and I'm just looking forward uh, and not hanging too much on what we've won or haven't won to this point. Just keep keep trying to, you know, set your targets in front of you. Yeah. So this question might then be irrelevant, but, you know, as, as we all know, as horse people, uh, you lose more than you win and, yeah. uh, you know, how do you handle a loss? Like just even, you know, mentally or, um, well, yeah, I've lost a lot. Um, I think anytime you lose, it's a chance for you to sort of not necessarily, uh, beat yourself up, but you can find things that, um, going to show you the way to be better, right? You learn probably more from your losses than you do your wins. And, um, so I, I embrace the losses, you know, they happen and, uh, and they are very informative and, uh, you know, by extension, sometimes your wins, they're, they're not your best work either. And, uh, really, I think you have to learn how to make, um, non-judgmental sort of, um, uh, takeaways from your wins and your losses and, uh, sometimes separate the result from whether or not you had a good process for what you were doing with that horse and, you know, did you execute your plan or what your process was for that week or did you veer away from it because of X, Y, or Z? And I think when I start looking at things in that way, I tend to do a lot better. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to look at it, to take the emotion out of it. Sure. Do you, do you ever get nervous? Sure, yeah. I think everybody does to a degree. I think it's part of it's just the excitement of, you know, you're, you know, at the precipice of this great challenge and, you know, that's, that should excite you a little bit. I would say that it's not, uh, I'm less nervous about the end result. I think it's more just, uh, you know, I, I like the feeling of, of caring about what I'm doing and, uh, I like the, the, the challenge of, of that, you know, um, so I'm, I'm enjoying the nerves. You know, they're usually a sign that you're doing something cool and fun, you know. Um, and when you're not nervous, it, it can be kind of boring. So, so the, the nerves are, are good. They, they make you feel alive, and I like it. Yeah. That's a great way to look at that, too. I, I know a lot of people do get nervous to the point where it's a hindrance, I guess. Or Sure. Well, usually that, that's because you're associating your nervousness with a question about your ability to perform or your doubts about your readiness or your preparedness. And I think as you get older and you start to have more confidence in your system and your, your approach and your preparation, then the nerves are just kind of, uh, they're good feels, you know, they it means that you care and that it matters. And, and, uh, it's nice to ride under that kind of pressure. Actually, it's a privilege. And uh, you've talked a little bit about your system, but do you have like a routine for a big competition? 
that you have to do? No, I don't. Because, um, you know, sometimes you can do those routines and sometimes you can't. And uh, I never want to feel like I'm uh, reliant on anything like that. So, no, I don't. You know, I, I uh, every competition can be a little different. And uh, I think uh, taking that for what it is is an important part of me feeling like, uh, you know, you can deal with little adversities that come come your way. And I, I wasn't always good at that. I was maybe a little more routinized and um, kind of maniacal about every little thing being just so. And you just realize that it's just impossible and uh, kind of a waste of energy. And uh, so now I, I don't have any routines. I, I uh, you know, I try to be rested and just look after myself as an athlete, but no, I, uh, I have, I couldn't give you one example of like something that I do. That's, that's fun. Um, and, um, yeah, and I, I like asking that question. You get interesting answers where they're like, you've got to put a boot on. Yeah, 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 sure. Or, no, uh, so a lot of people have their little customs and, yeah. uh, you know, I just don't, I, um, I'm a pretty neat person, so I, I, you know, it's not like uh, before a big competition I try to get neater. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty tidy. Um, so I know I just I just do what I normally do. It's just riding horses, and uh, it's no different no matter how many people are there, or where it is, or whether you got on a plane to get there. It's still just a horse and uh, jumping jumps or doing shoulder ends or you know and. I like, you know, just keeping it simple and, and, uh, no added baggage. <laughs> like that. Um, is there any advice you'd give your younger self? Mm. You know, I wish, um, I had, uh, you know, I had a ton of instruction as a, as a young person and, uh, I was really lucky. I, I was around a lot of great horse people and I, uh, I had really supportive and pretty knowledgeable parents who kind of could sort of shepherd me to these different people for lessons or for, you know, just go spend some time with this person or that person. And I learned a great deal, but I had like all these techniques and, uh, I became pretty good with some of them. And, uh, but I was missing like a, uh, a more like simple way of just reading horses and, um, that took me longer. I think basically what I'm saying is I, I probably would have been better in some ways to spend a few years with one sort of, uh, and I did that as a young rider. I was at the O'Connors and things like that. But when I was a young professional, mid-20s, I think I would have been served well by spending a few years under another professional maybe in a different system overseas or a less technical system, more a system that just was less interested in giving you lessons and more interested in just kind of maybe me just being around how they did horses, you know, and uh, you ended up learning, I think, some of the same things, but it was a lot of trial and error, and it just took a long time for me. And uh, I'm still learning, but I think I'm in a better place than I was, but I sometimes ask how I could have gotten here a little faster, and, and that's probably the one area in my career where I, I maybe could have maybe capitalized on, on maybe just spending a little bit of time with um, not a, someone who was training you, per se, but just being around them training horses. 
and watching how they approach this or approach that. And um, that's the only regret. I, I really feel like I was really lucky my whole life. And uh, the people that I got to learn from, um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, was such a blessing. Um, but that professional, that early professional year, years would have been, uh, I think I probably needed more guidance than I thought. Yeah. 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 So, so kind of almost, I don't know, like learning by osmosis or just kind of being, like you said, in the environment. Yeah. An environment, you know, I think, uh, I, uh, just for me, I think that would have been good. You know, um, there is a lot of healthy growth that comes from struggling and learning on your own a little bit and uh, not having somebody always hold your hand and give you a lesson to fix every little problem or whatever. Sometimes I think you do have to figure it out. And uh, so I think in some ways it was good what I did. But I also think, like, um, you know, you can get frustrated and a little bit... Uh, uh, lost sometimes and, um, just being around good horse training, I think is, um, if you're paying attention, it can be incredibly productive, even if they're not actively teaching you. And, uh, that's probably my only regret that maybe I should have gone overseas for a couple of years or something, or just done something a little different like that. But, um, other than that, I, I think, uh, I think I have had a really lucky life so far, and, um, you know, I, I don't regret anything. It's just uh, I'm amused on it. That's all. Yeah. Um, last question. What What is it about eventing that you love? Like, how did you how did you land in that as opposed to, say, jumpers or? I think it's a complete test of horsemanship. And, um, yeah, at the level where the sport is going, um, your skill levels in all three phases now are incredibly high to really be competitive. And, um, and not just that, but then it's managing horses to be this trained, this strong, this fit, this prepared. You know, it's just, um, it's fascinating and it's so difficult. And, uh, I just like that. I like how sort of, you know, just keeps, I think getting, getting harder and, and there's just, you're always learning things. So for me, it was, uh, it was that really. Um, and, uh, and the cross country part of it is, uh, it's still the heart and soul of the sport. And I just don't think there's any feeling like, um, crossing the finish line at a five-star event. Um, just doing that with a horse is, uh, is the most incredible thing. And, uh, so that, and, and then just the challenge of the sport itself, I think just, uh, yeah, I was hooked. Great. Well, thank you. I really appreciate your time this morning. Um, it's been a great, fascinating conversation. Yeah. Thanks, Sandy. Take care. Thanks for listening to this week's conversation with Will Coleman and a big thank you to the episode sponsor, Spalding Labs. Learn more at www spalding-labs.com that's www.spaldingspalabs.com you can subscribe to the practical horseman podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher or wherever you listen while you're there please rate and review the show also tune in 
to our mini-sode series, The Fod Pod, where you'll hear audio lessons from our favorite practical horseman on-demand clips. When you tune into The Fod Pod, listen close for a promo code for 15% off your practical horseman on-demand subscription. Thanks again for joining us. I'm Sandy Olenek, and you've been listening to The Practical Horseman Podcast.